This is your Wednesday Daily Delivery. I'm Michael Rand. Glad to have you guys back for another day. Lots to get to on today's show. You know, sometimes I say that, and it's a little bit of a stretch. Some, you know, I, I'll, I'll be honest, you know, not every show has as much, um, you know, to talk about as other shows, right? I mean, we, you know, I, I we... Not every day is created equal in the sports world. Let's let's just face it. You know that as a viewer. I know that as someone who writes and talks about sports. But I can honestly say um, that in the context of all the shows I do today, there is um, probably a, a more than an average amount of things to talk about. Um, Carl Anthony Towns will join me here in just a few minutes. Had a chance to catch up with Carl late last week after the news conference um, announcing his massive uh, four-year, $224 million max contract extension. And I, f- I found him to be very illuminating and thoughtful in, in the time I had with him. So I wanted to play that back for you um, and share that with you. Um, get to the Vikings. They opened you know, their first training camp practices today season hurtling towards us um, faster than we'll think. Got a few Vikings thoughts to share, but mostly just acknowledging that it is now once again football season. Um, and I'll get some some PJ Fleck. He, he talked at the uh, Big Ten Media Day on Tuesday. Gophers football head coach, of course. Some interesting things that PJ Fleck had to say um, you know about Mo Ibrahim, about UCLA and USC joining the Big Ten, and this is something interesting about the offense and how he considers bal- what he considers balance in the offense. So I thought that was interesting. I'll play a few clips and talk about that as well. But first, what did I miss? We're gonna start with the Twins today, not because you know one out of one sixty-two is so much more important than anything else, but a couple things from. Tuesday's uh, 7-6 loss to the Brewers struck me. Number one, um, Miguel Sano back in the lineup, batting ninth um, and was lifted along the way for a pinch hitter. Made a certain amount of sense. Left-handed starting pitcher for the Brewers in that game. Um, So he started. Luis Arise came off the bench, pinch hit for Sano later in the game. So no uh, 0 for 2 in his limited work. Twins got up to a uh, 1-0 lead with a massive Byron Buxton home run. It was like 450 feet almost uh, to left field. And then rallied um, in the middle innings to take a 6-5 lead. I believe that was on a Gio Urshela um, home run, but couldn't hold on to it. Gave up the tying run pretty quick, and then Tyler Duffy in the ninth gives up the winning run, um, get, loads the bases on some hits, some walks, and then a sacrifice fly finishes things off. 7-6 Brewers, um, and unfortunately for the Twins, uh, Cleveland and Chicago both won, so those leads over those two teams back down to 2.5 and, and 3, respectively, in the AL Central, so... You know, that's going to be like that for a long time. Going to go be up, down. Um, we'll see where they ultimately land after a little over two months. But two interesting things from the game. One, um, Byron Buxton and Miguel Sano back in the same lineup at the same time, <clears throat> ostensibly um, following each other since Buxton was hitting leadoff and uh, Sano was hitting ninth. So kind of one 
right after the other in the order, even though it's, you know, kind of got to go through once to get there. Um, you know, these two just represent such an era of Twins baseball, and this definitely feels like the last go-round for the era as a tandem, at least, Miguel Sano, um, you know, was missing for most of this year, was terrible at the start of the year, then got injured, and the Twins really uh, took their time bringing him back, if that's a, that's a that's a polite way to say it. And he, you know, did kind of an extended lead-up to coming back, extended rehab, did very well in St. Paul, so that was a good sign, and he could do very well here. But this is the last guaranteed year of his contract. Next year, he has that $14 million player option almost certainly will be declined by the twins and that could very well signal the end of Miguel Sano in Minnesota and both he and Buxton came up in 2015 Sano to the greater immediate success and fanfare you know he second half of that season really was carrying the twins offense to a certain degree keeping them in the wild card race really until the final week of the season Buxton more rough around the edges right away. You could see the flashes of brilliance. You could see the speed, but he had not figured out major league pitching at all, at least for the first, you know, really for the first three, four, five years of his career. Not really till 2019 did he start putting things together at the plate. And that was Buck, you know, that was Sano's best season, that Bomba Squad year where he had a 900-plus OPS. I think he had you know, 30 or more home runs. He, he was really locked in at the plate this year and they've really been on divergent paths since then even with Buxton struggling largely to stay healthy in that span he has been the much more productive player during that stretch to know very hot and cold during that time he'll he'll you know run into a few hit him out and go through you know a week where he's on but those weeks where he's on have not been able to offset those months that he's been off so it's kind of interesting to think about <clears throat> the hopes and dreams you might have had for these two players seven years ago and kind of where we stand with them right now and how this is their last chance really to do something special, at least as a tandem. Second thought I had from the game is it only reinforces how much the Twins need some bullpen help at the trade deadline. And I'd say, you know, winning the first two games out of the break kind of ensuring that they're going to be still right there when when the trade deadline rolls around early next week. Uh, that's just extra incentive. They need to go out and get some help, even if the bullpen wasn't the biggest problem in this game. You know, you had Dylan Bundy gave up five runs in four innings. <clears throat> bullpen gave up two runs in what amounted to be four and two-thirds innings. You know, but Joe Smith gave up a run. You know, Emilio Pagan and Griffin Jacks had clean innings, but, you know, Joan Duran pitched out of a big-time jam of his own making in the eighth where he gave up a hit and two walks but got, you know, a 32-pitch scoreless tense inning. And then Tyler Duffy, who has been very good lately, by the way, uh, giving up the winning run in the ninth. They just need at least one more guy, one more. You know, when you get into games like this, you know, where you, where you, you, know, you want to win every game, but when it's this close game against a good team, you need to be able to throw more quality arms out there and still feel like the next day you might be able to to compete in the same way. And I feel like they just, when they have to spend their bullpen like this, and really they threw probably their top guys, um, you know, what they consider their top guys. They threw Duran, um, you know, for whatever Pagan's faults are, he's pitched in a lot of high leverage situations. Griffin Jacks, uh, Tyler Duffy, those are the guys they trust the most. Uh, they need more than that if they're going to 
meaningfully compete down the stretch, I feel like. I mean, they can try to piece this together. Maybe they, I don't, I'm not saying trade all their best prospects or even, you know, a few of their best prospects for relief help, but they got to do something. They should be able to do something here at the deadline to reinforce a bullpen that really has been flagging lately, both from a standpoint of effectiveness and from a standpoint of how much work they have had to do. So let's keep an eye on that. They can kind of unload these guys again Wednesday when they play the Brewers again because they had so many off days and they had that extra off day Monday. They've got another off day Thursday. A very strange start to this uh, start start to this uh, second half of the season. But it's going to catch up to them at some point. They're going to have a bunch of games in the row, and they're not going to be able to do that. And they need more effective arms, and they need them very soon. MGM Wine & Spirits is the choice for savings, service, and a great selection of spirits, pre-mixed cocktails, wines, and of course, ice-cold beers and hard seltzers. With over 30 locations throughout the Twin Cities and beyond, there's an MGM near you. Head to MGMWineAndSpirits.com to find a convenient location in your area. Get social. Follow MGM on Facebook and Instagram for all the latest news and trends. Make great moments with MGM Wine & Spirits, your locally owned and operated choice for over 50 years. Save time, save money. Shop MGM. Like I said at the beginning of the show, um, Carl Anthony Towns, Timberwolves, big man. And we can't just call him a center now, and that's something we'll get into in a minute here when I talk to him. But um, with Rudy Gobert added to the Wolves, Towns figures to play a lot of power forward this year, an interesting development in his career. But a lot of things going in a good direction for Towns, especially relative to where the franchise was and where he was probably a year ago. So let's listen to my conversation now with Carl Anthony Towns. Carl, big day for you. It's got to feel good, especially, when, I mean, just thinking about this, like this time last year, you guys are coming off, what, 23 and 49. Nobody knows where mm-hmm. anything is really going. How, I, I want to take you back to that point first before we get to right now. Like at that point, how even though you've said all along you want to be part of this organization, how much harder is it at that point to see that reality being true when you guys just haven't had that success and there's been so much turmoil um, in this organization? Just belief, you know. Um, I always wanted, you know, in my career, I've always wanted to take the, the tougher path. I felt that it's more rewarding. It gives me more of a challenge. It makes every day going to the gym, going to work more fun. Um, in the same way, in, before my career, I could have played with Team USA, and I decided to play with the Dominican Republic because I wanted to be able to take my mother's country to a lot of those things. I will be the first time, first time being. I think it was the second time ever being in the World Cup, first mm-hmm. time having a chance to qualify for the Olympics, being the closest ever. So, um, challenges has always pushed me. You know, being able to do something that no one else has has done is is very fun and it's very exciting for me. So I just, uh, seeing in all that, I just had complete confidence and faith that, you know, that the ship was turning, that our momentum was building, and um, the vision that me and Finch were seeing was going to come true, and more in that, we would get the experience. We would get, we, we would, you know, and rookie year, we're all getting to know each other, injuries, you know, um, all those will clear up, and uh, before the last season started, that we would yeah. have a really good season. Yeah. Well, the hard path... Faith is rewarded, right? I mean, it's not like you guys are anywhere near where you want to be, but you know, you fast forward a year, you guys made the playoffs, 46 wins. You sign this contract. I imagine at the point you sign this contract, it's even if it's not necessarily easier because you felt that faith along the way, it it feels like 
it feels it like it feels good they, to have it on paper yeah that's know? kind of what i'm saying right like yeah. it's it's like you can see some of this already mm-hmm. starting to happen before you I mean, before like, you do it we've seen that be you know how it plays <laughs> yeah. out so oh, yeah. um it's good to actually have it be a real thing yeah. you know a physical real thing yeah. signed printed dated done yeah. handed in so um you know this 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 organization has uh has you know has preached uh not to me, but to everyone that, you know, we want to make this a very honest and family-like environment. And um, they kept their honesty when, you know, it came to down to putting the numbers on the check. So yeah. it was very fun. And it wasn't even never about the numbers. It was just about my comfort being here, you know. So a lot of people in my position, you know, they get to this spot and it'd be their second contract. And, and, and you know, you're looking around and trying to get a yeah. ring from, you know, the easiest yeah. ring around the league, you know, and I wanted to take the, the harder route. I wanted to be loyal to yeah. the people who brought me into the league and gave me a chance to prove yeah. my worth. And uh, I wanted to win here. You've already made a life changing amount of money once. This is a second life-changing contract isn't that like, crazy isn't it, it is I, like i've gotten more messages over this one than the last one and really I, and i'm laughing like <laughs> i didn't get a max the last time <laughs> right you didn't but it's like just the does the sheer like when you just look at the number does it still like it's that startle, does it startle it's you that it's two. the two it's, it's the it, two does it startle you my girl told me the same thing she said it's the two that gets everyone <laughs> real giddy and it gets them it tickles them a little bit so um yeah I never really, I never let money define who I was and how my life was going to be lived yeah. and how I wanted to be, you know, yeah. perceived or anything like that. I, I just, you know, it's, it's just what my, you know, the worst yeah. is. You know, I feel like I put something into this game that no one else has, and 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 there's things I could do that the game has never seen before, and um, you know, I've done everything in my power and done what I was supposed to do to even be in a position like that. You know, it wasn't given to me. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't just you know, get this money. I didn't get this contract because of a good smile. You, know? <laughs> you have a nice smile. Yeah, I, it's not about the smile. It's nah. about the work I've put in between the lines. And um, I put myself in position to do this, you know. So yeah. I don't, I don't, it's not, you know, it, everything is life-changing. You know, there's, you know, it could be no money and be a life-changing moment. It could be life-changing money. You sure. know, it could be anything. So if, I, if anyone knows, I know that. So, yeah. you know, the money really don't mean anything to me it was just about the comfort level being with people you know in this organization and this building that you know bring me happiness and um i felt like i said up there i felt home here so yeah. i thought it was there was no reason to lollygag and waste time seems like you've built a lot of trust quickly with not just your head coach chris finch that's been a little longer now you've been in with him from mm-hmm. you know part to two seasons now but also Tim Connolly, and I'm sure that's got, you know, that relationship will grow still, but, you know, it sounds like you have a lot of faith in him, especially with this big offseason move with Rudy Gobert. Like, that's something where you could have said, like, hey, guys, I'm the center. Like, what's what's going on here? But you you said, no, you've got this vision. This is, this. Yeah, I, I see this. I've said since day one on record, and I've said it since before I got the max, when I had the max, you know, that there's a reason why we all have jobs, you know. Be a star in your role. My role is to be a star basketball player, <laughs> to be the best basketball player I could be for this team, and, yeah. and to you know do whatever it takes to win to win in the Timberwolves jersey. So, um, you know, there's people in the league we know that have made a lot of money because they're stars in their role. So, I'm gonna let me be a star in my role as a basketball player, as a leader of the locker room, as a, as as someone who goes out there and will leave every single piece of me out there on the court, mm-hmm. um, because that's what you know. 
that's a contractual obligation we made, but that's what a, a moral obligation I made to this organization as well. Um, and for Tim, you know, I want him to be able to feel very confident in his decisions and not feel like other players where he has to go through such a, a channel of, of yeses and nos and stuff. And I don't want to be part of that because that's not my role. That's not what I'm paid to do. I'm paid to be the best basketball player. So I've said that since day one. I've said it through everything like this. This was just everything that's happened has, you know, is part of his master plan. And I, I'm just happy to be part of it. Couple more questions for you. Appreciate this. You said championship or bust out there, and I'm sure every player means that. But those those words mean a lot when a, when a franchise has never won a championship. You never won a championship, and you when you make the trade that we've made, it's 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 the reality. Okay. I'm not trying to sugarcoat. I don't yeah. want like, people to feel like oh, you know, nah. It's I'm I'm, I'm honest when I say stuff. So I, I don't. I think honesty is one of the things that's hurt me the most in some things. So. Like what? Uh, just being honest. Just being who I am, never wavering about who I was. That's hurt you, you said? Uh, yeah, just just being me. Okay. I think that being me, I think it's yeah. misunderstood by okay. people sometimes okay, and, and stuff like that. And then when I'm honest, you know, it, mm-hmm. it's probably not that sometimes it's, it's sometimes hard to, to accept truth. Yeah, okay. So um, as championship or bust, you make a trade like the way we've made it, mm-hmm. you know, you got to think that. Yeah. You know, that, that's really what's on the table. You know, I don't think the fans will be accepting of a yeah. third round second elimination, <laughs> second round elimination. Second round or yeah. bust. Yeah. Oh, wow. We got first round. Got to game seven and lost. That's not acceptable. So right. let's be real. The, the, the proof, you know, the, 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 the standards yeah. are high. The pressure's high. And that's when, you know, that's when we all should love to play basketball even more. Along those lines, you guys, you know, six games against Memphis this past year. This is my final one for you. Like, as you grew through that, like, what – you know, you've, you've added more pieces. Obviously, what what else has to happen? As you, what else have you? What else do you learn? How how else does that growth take place aside from just the players? Well, you're you know, I think that if you've seen anything with the Warriors, you've seen anything with these championship teams. They've had uh, time with each other. Yeah. You know, they've had time to grow. They've had time to get on a wavelength that can't be matched by any other team. You know, that comes with continuity. That comes with unity. That comes with time. Um, yeah, we we don't have that kind of time. So we're yeah. gonna have to rush that up and and find ways to uh, n- know the, the little nuances of each other. Um, so when we're on the court, you know, I think a lot of wins, wins we had this year in those 46 was because we were so connected as a group that, you know, you found our, we found ourselves winning games just off of pure chemistry, just pure, okay. just knowing where someone was going to be truly believing in that. And, you know, we win in these close games. So we got we to gotta figure that out quick. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, Never, they never said the job was going to be easy, but they definitely said it was going to be worth it. So if we could figure that out, the sky's the limit for us. Awesome. Appreciate it, man. Yep. Congrats. Appreciate you. Thank you. you. Like I said, I found a lot of what he had to say pretty interesting. I thought just kind of the, the riff on the money and how the two is probably the thing that catches people off guard. I thought that was kind of illuminating and kind of true. I hadn't really thought about it that way necessarily until he said it, but uh that that to me was interesting that when you put a two at the start of a you know a, a nine figure contract um it, it catches people in a certain way that they maybe they didn't get caught uh when it was you know only uh in the 100 millions and not the 200 millions the other thing is people really latched on to the championship or bust quote of his but you know i thought he had a pretty good explanation for that here you know it's just he's trying to be realistic he's trying to say look when you make a trade 
like the one we made for Rudy Gobert. I'm just paraphrasing here. You know that that's that that sets you up for a certain level of expectations. You know, maybe I don't know if he meant this year. I think that I think that we can give him the benefit of the doubt there. That you know. This could take some time, but this this opens up a certain championship window, and I think Tim Connolly, uh, the president of basketball operations, might have explained it in a in a more pragmatic way, saying essentially, you know, when you, you know this deal, this roster they're putting together, they feel like they can be a top four team, that they can be a team that gets you know home a home playoff series, and once you're in that echelon, you have a chance, um, you know, in in any given year. You know, especially if it was a year like last year where there didn't seem to be this one team in the West that was going to run away with things. And I think the playoffs, you know, bore that out. You know, the Golden State ends up winning the West and winning the winning the championship. But they were not a uh, not a flawless team. That was not a team where you just looked at it at the start and said, this is the team that's going to win it all. So I think the I think the bigger picture takeaway from from all of this is we still need to see how this all looks on the court. But expectations have certainly been raised and you know we're we're going to find out how that plays out with this roster and and how they can handle that but but Towns is setting himself up right now to you know to to try to be ready for that to try to you know increase the burden or the you know the the fun or however you want to look at being one of those teams that's looked at as a true contender and not just kind of this little surprise, this nice little story that came out of nowhere. And that's going to be a fascinating thing to watch, how he handles it, how the rest of the team handles, you know, the the idea that they are no longer just a team on the rise, that they are a team that should have arrived based on their roster, their spending, and everything about them. Let's move on. P.J. Fleck, Gophers football coach, uh, spoke Tuesday at Big Ten Media day, interesting time in, uh, in in college football and college sports in general. Um, you know, PJ casually mentioning mentioning you know name, image, likeness deals a lot along his along the way of the. I think his session was about fifteen minutes. Um, obviously, you have the, uh, the 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 additions of UCLA and USC. I'll play a Fleck quote about that here in a minute. Just a lot of change. You know, the transfer portal. A lot of change in college sports college football um you know and anytime there's so much change you do wonder how quickly teams will adapt how fast you know temporary solutions become permanent solutions when changes happen so fast and then you kind of sit down three years later and you say wait what were we doing what did we just do what just happened so the teams that are best prepared the teams that feel like they have plans in place to you know kind of go with the flow of these uncertain times should be the ones that succeed the most, in addition, of course, to the teams that just flat out have the most talent. But this is a very interesting time for college football and a very big year for the Gophers. Fleck talking a lot about the players who are committed on this year's team, saying this is the most committed he's ever seen a group at Minnesota. And I imagine some of that is the four players who came back for that kind of super, super season, that sixth year, uh, which includes Mo Ibrahim, the running back who got injured early last season could have played a different role last year maybe it would have influenced their season in a positive way even though it was still a successful nine win season I thought Fleck talking about Ibrahim was interesting so let's listen to that 
Yeah, Muhammad's part of that Encore 4 that they're kind of calling themselves. And with, I'm not sure if that's NIL or not or some copyright infringement that I just threw out there for them. But you got Mo, you got Tanner, uh, you got John Michael Schmitz, and you got Crab. They made choices based on really what Mo was going to do. Uh, Mo could have went to the National Football League because, as he would say, 5'8 is 5'8. I mean, he's not going to get any taller. Uh, but he did it for the team. And he did it to kind of put a different ending to what happened. Uh, I think he's one of the best backs in the country, but more importantly, he's one of the best people you will ever meet in your entire life. And his leadership has become really infectious based on real-world experiences. Here's a guy who had a lot of NIL, right? And you run for 170 yards in the first half, you got all this stuff, and then boom, it all ends. And he can share a lot of those experiences uh, with our team and those life experiences. So it means the world to us that he's coming back. He's at full strength. Uh, he's ready to roll. Uh, and we're excited about having him uh, have a really, really uh, positive 2022. You know, along the same lines, um, Fleck got asked about how what he considers balance in an offense. And I thought his answer was interesting because it wasn't he, I don't think he quite answered the question that got asked, but it still illuminated a little bit of his offensive philosophy kind of how he saw last season where I think there was some criticism that they ran the ball and were conservative a little bit too much that they didn't you know didn't let Tanner Morgan fully kind of try to win games they tried to ask him just not to lose games so here is Fleck on the notion of balance in offense if we have to throw for 350 we need to be able to throw for 350 if we have to run for 350 to win then we have to find a way to run for 350 and I think what you saw last year was, think back in 2019, we had two first-team All-Big Ten wide receivers for the first time in the history of the league, and then also had a 1,000-yard rusher, had one of the best offenses in the country. And then last year, we lose five tailbacks, four of our receivers missed three to four-plus games, and everybody says, what happened? And we still won nine games. And that's a, that's a testament to finding a way on the, in the system to do what the strength of your football team is. And we still had one of the best offensive lines in the country. So we had to make the game shorter. We had to run the ball a little bit more. We had to do what we had to do to find ways to win games. Um, but now when you look at the balance, when we're at our best, we are balanced. I think any team would be able to want that in a perfect world. But balance to me means you do exactly what you have to do to win that game. You know, be that as may, and I think, you know, I think he's right in that you 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 have this you run the offense that the game dictates right if you're having success running the ball if you need to shorten the clock if there's certain external factors that are causing you to play a certain way obviously that's that's going to take precedent over any sort of overarching philosophy you need to be flexible within the context of a game but i think an overarching philosophy probably needs to include more of a robust passing game if this is going to be a team that doesn't just, you know, compete to win eight games again this season or however many games they could win, you know, before the bowl season, but can really compete in a, you know, in a wide open, I would think, Big Ten West. They're going to have to have a more balanced offense in terms of run, pass, not be too predictable. So that will be interesting to watch when this season gets underway. Final thing from Fleck that I wanted to play was his thoughts on the Big Ten's edition of UCLA and USC. I mean, the first thing that came to my mind was, L.A., are you kidding me? That's perfect. I mean, the Big Ten now is represented from the West Coast to the East Coast. 
Uh, and you look at the major media markets now, I mean, that's incredibly positive. I look at it, everything through the lenses of the University of Minnesota. We have a ton of living alumni out on the West Coast. And now that Big Ten footprint is really stationed there for all of our alumni. Um, I think when you kind of look at does playing out there help recruiting, uh, yes and no. I think it's very different than it used to be 10 years ago where kids can live stream games. They can watch any game they want. They have all the types of resources in their phones. Uh, but I do think it's really positive for the conference and the league. Uh, we're excited about it. It's coast to coast. Uh, I think people asked me a question back there about travel. Uh, I think maybe other sports could be affected. But, again, I, I look through it from the football eyes, and I, I was part of Maction. <laughs> You know, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday nights on nine-hour bus rides. And I'm not sure how many people ask me that question. Um, so I think there's people way smarter than me that will figure all that out in terms of how we're going to make that all work. Uh, but, again, it's, it's a really it, – it's a positive blueprint uh, for the Big Ten. And uh, change is uh, really healthy. And it's a big change. And we're excited about having the L.A. market uh, into the Big Ten. And I thought that was a good answer, um, you know, a diplomatic answer, but I also always alarm bells go off whenever someone says, well, let the people who are smarter than me figure that out. That always means to me we have no idea how this is going to work exactly. So that's probably honest, too. We don't know exactly how the travel is going to work in these scenarios, especially for, you know, sports that don't have the, the budgets of college football. It's a lot of travel, a lot of potential midweek travel. Um, potential fun travel, let's be honest, like, you know, going to USC, going to, going to Los Angeles at any point is going to be a, a, a boon and perhaps a selling point, but it is going to stretch the notion of student in student athletes a lot of times. Let's finish with the cooler Vikings open practice today. First, uh, attended practice, I think is this weekend. Some interesting questions, as always, as camp opens, some positional battles, things like that. But I'm just the thing I'm most curious about is how, you know, how a largely same or similar roster, at least at least with a lot of the core players, including Kirk Cousins, how that can either be different or how much it will be the same outcome wise with a new regime in place. Chip Scoggins wrote about this in today's paper and starttobean.com kind of this will be kind of the the final you know this will this will almost give a final grade to Mike Zimmer more than anything like was you know was he holding this team back or was he holding this team together and i think that's going to be a fascinating storyline and we might not get a clear answer this team might go 8 and 9 or 9 and 8 and we might conclude well the roster is just kind of is what it is it's an average roster capable of keeping you in things but not capable of doing anything great um, and that very well could be the case, and they might have to make some decisions off of that. But we might get a very clear answer if this team, you know, ex- you know, far exceeds or far goes below uh, what Mike Zimmer accomplished with largely these same players over the last two or three years. So that's going to be the thing I want to see the most. Um, yeah, there's going to be the camp storylines. There's going to be the who's the backup quarterback. There's going to be you know what how the offensive line sorts itself out there's going to be you know little battles here and there but the overarching theme of this season is can they do more with a lot of the same players that will do it for today hope you enjoyed today's show dan Winnesota, author of the new book a slap shot in time about the minnesota fighting saints will join me on thursday show fun conversation with him a fun era of old time hockey so i hope you enjoy that conversation enjoy the rest of your beautiful wednesday outside i'm michael ran back at it again on thursday